Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome into the Triple Option. I'm Paul Catalina. Uh, we'll be alongside Jacob Wilson in a minute. He was unfortunately delayed, uh, not detained, detained. Makes it sound like he got arrested on the way here, but he's not arrested, Garrett. He's fine. He's he's not. I would, you know. You want to put that on him? Yeah. I don't want to put that on him. He just, he had an appointment, ran long. You know, that's fine. Uh, and this was such a crazy, crazy football weekend. Uh, I don't really need it, like, other than just you to bounce things off of this first. I don't need our normal co-host right. because we can just, like, throw out a game. Like, Notre Dame, Ohio State, that you and I sat here and watched in the studio the other night. And for the first time in my life, I felt bad for Notre Dame. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think Sam Hartman played elite, uh, but the way that game ended for them, yeah, you definitely got a feel for the Irish. Yeah. Ohio State, though, answered the bell. Uh, oh, hey, are they tough enough? Does Lou Holtz calling me out? Oh, yeah, guess what? We're going to hold you to, you know, 16 points or yeah. 14 points, and yeah, they played tough. They played really tough on defense. Uh, offensively, both those teams struggled the entire night. It was a really good game, but it was Prove It Weekend, and in Prove It Weekend, we saw some teams you know, step to the forefront. We saw some other, other teams step back. I don't think this changes much for Notre Dame or Ohio State. Like, If the score was flipped, I would think like these teams are going to be in contention until later. Yeah. Ohio State shows me, especially as you get down the, the stretch in the Big Ten, that there's three real deal teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, and that will be a battle. That will be a fight. It, it should be fun to watch and see what happens out of those three. I think for me, I took more away from it from the Notre Dame perspective as of you just you, – you had limited opportunity to have a clear path to the college football playoff. Uh, you blew a tire in this situation, and then now when you look at your schedule coming up this week, or no, this week I think they have Louisville. Then you have Duke, which is not a gimme game. I think Duke can definitely they, beat Notre Dame. Du yeah, they do have Duke this, week. this week. Duke this week, and Louisville's been pretty good. So okay, yeah. yeah. And then after that, you have USC. So you're in a situation there where you could lose one or two more games, and more than likely will in that situation, and your shot at the college football playoff is done. Yeah. Uh, Duke, Louisville, USC, back-to-back-to-back. -to -back right, to yeah, back. that's brutal. And then their schedule does get easier. Pitt, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Stanford. But if that, um, but then, I mean, it could be too late. And I'll just tell you, we'll talk about Clemson and Florida State in a minute because this will be the only opportunity I have to wax rhapsodic about that game. <laughs> but I, Clemson is still really good. They're yeah. just not what they have been. 
they're, they're a level down. So that's still going to be a tough one. So you've got, you know, looking at their schedule, Louisville, look, they're not ranked, but Jeff Brown has got them playing pretty well. Right, yeah. And it's at Louisville. So, again, when you're Notre Dame, you know you're going to go in places. People are going to be hyped. I think they'll probably be fine, but that Duke game's going to be, a, like, prove it A was Notre Dame, prove it B was the upstart Duke team who plays super physical and plays a style in which you just got out of a game that they played mm-hmm. defensively. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see down the line what Notre Dame does. For Ohio State, look, I, I, I'm not completely sold that, you know, that's a great win for them, but they're still going to have – ups and downs because I don't think they really know who they are yet. Um, they got Maryland who with Tyloua Tagviola is going to be pretty interesting. That'll be yeah. tough. Like he, they pushed them to the brink last year. If you remember Maryland did, uh, they've got a Purdue team. That's um, Jack. Just give me a hand gesture of describing Purdue season. Yeah. So <laughs> thumbs down. He gave oh, me a thumbs, thumbs down. down. Yeah. He gave me a thumbs down. <laughs> and then, and then they have Penn state who, after we saw that, I know we're kind of Big Ten heavy in this first segment, but what the hell? Hey, they deserve it. <laughs> I mean, absolutely beat down Iowa uh, on on Saturday night. And like 61 total yards of offense for Iowa? Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. that. That's not going to – 31 to nothing. Yeah, 61, 75, whatever it was. Less than 100 yards of total offense in four quarters. Stupid. And you are trying to say that your offense is fixed? I'm sorry. You can still get punched in the – in the in the nards there by <laughs> by Penn State and your offense isn't fixed. Your offense um your offense was good against teams that you know honestly weren't that good and then you played one really elite team and they stroked you. You know, no like 24 they they scored 24 points, 20 points and then 41 against Western Michigan. So Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, 3-0, roll into their first real test of the season and got wood-chippered. Yeah. Absolutely wood-chippered by Penn State, who James Franklin has spent the last couple of years kind of in the void a little bit, in my opinion. Of course, there are all these, like, he was the guy there were all these rumors about, like, you know, USC or whatever. Look, Penn State is an A-plus job. Absolutely. And, and, and there's only a few jobs – I would leave Penn State for if I were James Franklin. So, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a void. And look, before James Franklin, there were two other coaches, one of whom went to the NFL mm-hmm. and the other whom was Joe Paterno. And I'm not going to get into the scandal, but like Penn State's an administration that appreciates a guy who's just going to be there. So It's very Steelers-esque. Yes. Like, like you, you, there's very few programs in the nation who – who approach things the way Penn State does. And I think more programs should honestly look at how Penn State's handled James Franklin and how Clemson handled Dabo and just give coaches in right now time to actually build the programs because there's so many times where we see guys come in, take a new job or whatever, and within a couple of years – they're already wanting, you know, there's always this mass exodus to get the guy out, and it's just a broken cycle and sets programs back. Whereas Penn State, while, and uh, Clemson for that matter, while not every year has been ideal, they've always been consistent, they've always been strong in building, and it shows that if you give the right guy time, he can actually bring you and build the championship caliber uh, pedigree around your program. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, those are two huge games on Prove It Weekend. You know, um, look, I think... Uh, and we'll talk about this 
on the main show later on today at length with Texas and Baylor because we covered yeah. that game. But I do think that in a minor way, Texas and Baylor was a prove-it game because it was prove that you can go in on the road somewhere um, that's not going to be a big game, you know, that's not going to be Alabama, and do exactly what you're supposed to do. And Texas did that. Like, they went in, and teams that win the national championship, teams that contend for conference titles, teams that are in the CFP, they do what they have to do when they have to do it the way that they're supposed to do it, and that's what Texas did the other night. It's not going to be one of their bigger wins of the season, but for a team that's re-emerging on the national mm-hmm. stage, I do think it was important to go in and get a big win over somebody uh, that in, in a situation where it's the last time you're going to play a long-time conference team, you've played this thing over 100 times, right. all of those things going into it, and just any emotion that could have happened for Baylor, they took it out almost immediately. Also think a, a counterpoint to that is watching how Texas was able to overcome the two muff punts that Baylor was able to recover, and both of them were essentially had Baylor set up in deep in Texas territory, and their, their defense was able to come out and stand. They held Baylor to one field goal opportunity, and then they got like a six-yard sack. I believe it was a six-yard sack on fourth and five that put Baylor behind the chains, and they came away with nothing. I think just being able to respond. Now, granted, you could probably say, or you could make an argument that that Baylor's offense is bad, and they've struggled in the red zone all year long. But to me, for Texas to be able to step up in that point and not not let Baylor capitalize on their mistakes is progress in where, I think in years past, that's touchdowns easily against Texas, and they're behind the eight ball. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, those are – there are times – like, yeah, muffed to the muffed puns. Yeah, like, all those things that, that happened to them, they they overcame it and didn't, like, you know, didn't get in the way. Um, another one on Prove It, Prove it Weekend. Um, Oregon proved who they were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think – and we'll talk about this in the last segment when Jacob gets here, but there, there, was, there was no, like – there's no reason to change your mind about Dion and what he's doing. No. Because this was going to happen to them a couple times, probably. What he's doing is so unprecedented, but their team is not established yet. They're playing with a ton of momentum and a ton of confidence, but eventually you're going to get into somebody who has got the same momentum, got the same confidence, but is a better team than you. That's what happens in year one of things. Dion took over a team that was 1-11. He didn't take over a team that was 11 and one. Exactly. So if this is not, this isn't that story, this is a different one. So what he's doing, still super impressed, didn't change anything, but you kind of knew that this might be coming, especially with, you know, the deficiencies that they've had through these other games, Oregon with their defense, which is way improved, which shouldn't be a shock considering that it's year two of Dan Lanning, the dude who is part of building Mm -hmm. Georgia's national championship defenses. And that it like that Oregon has this prolific offense full of stars like Bo Nix and Bucky Irving and Troy Franklin. I mean, like this is a good, really good team. Oregon looked like a team who is built for a college football playoff opportunity and Colorado looked like a team who is, in their first year. I mean, it, it was plain as day. Um, I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody, honestly, who realistically looked at the circumstances and everything surrounding both of these teams going into that game should be shocked that Oregon won the way they did. Uh, and if they're the people out there, the broken narrative that you'll find on Twitter of, oh, my God, Colorado didn't have Travis Hunter. I'm sorry. You could have two Travis Hunters. and He wasn't going to make up 35 points. 
in that yeah. game. There's no way in hell that was going to happen. No. Look, he might have he might have made a play or two and made it, you know, down to 28. Yeah, but, but it wasn't going to close the gap like that. No. Travis Hunter does not block people, nor does he stop people from running the ball immediately. Exactly. He if Travis Hunter's making the tackle on a runner, it's either a fantastic play he's made shooting into the backfield or it's saving a touchdown. It's saving a touchdown because he's a cornerback and he's on on offense, he's a wide receiver. Yeah, maybe you know, Shadur can throw one up to him, but when he's under constant duress like he is, yeah. that was going to be the problem for them. All, and they knew it. You know who knew it? Dion knew it. I do like that he, he and Dan Lanning kept the little thing, you know, uh, you know, I told him, he, you know, he's lucky he got me this year. And, and the <laughs> thing is, they, they, play him they no keep more. it. Like, what are they going to play again? Like, they well, might Maybe play, a bowl game. That's your only chance. a bowl game, a playoff. Yeah. But, yeah. So, keep it, like, good. Keep it spicy. I'm happy for them to keep it spicy. Yeah. I, I think that that's fine. I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Now, um, like, that, that was a huge one. And it, there was a lot talked about. I don't think the discourse on it has been full of common sense. Because it again, is. it doesn't change. Like, and and look, Colorado and USC are playing this week at nine nine o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. And Caleb Williams and that offense. Look, I think Colorado will score more against USC than they did against Oregon. Yeah, they should. I think they will probably give up the same amount of points because they've given up that same amount of points in every single game this year, save yeah. Nebraska. But they've given up points in every game this year, so they're going to give up points. That's what they're going to be. But, you know, I don't think anybody's going to pick them to win against Caleb Williams. No, I mean, there's no way you should. I think Caleb Williams is going to pick them apart. I mean, but you're going to see some big plays from Colorado. I, I don't – even if they would – if Colorado would have won, like, one game – and say they lost to TCU like most people expected on and I think when the schedule came out, regardless of seeing Colorado on paper – Everybody knew Oregon and USC back-to-back were going to be losses. So I don't understand why anybody would be shocked at the current situation that Colorado finds themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on one um, thing, and I, I, need, I need to get our final pick'em standings from last week. I feel like I probably lost. I was going back and doing some work yesterday. I was like, this is not stacking up for me well. Yeah. I, think I, had, I know I had like three or four losses immediately. So, one of those losses we'll talk about real quick, Utah and UCLA. Yes. We find out just before kickoff, Cam Rising, not going to play. No. He's not going to play. And so I sent I, – I, I look, this is my show. I don't care. I'll, send, I'll say the text of what I said. I sent you guys a text of the story, and I said, well, shit. Yep. Because we picked Utah because Cam Rising was going to play in the game. You picked UCLA because you believed that Cam Rising was not going to play in the game, or if he did, his effectiveness would Correct. be limited, and they wouldn't be able to score points. You were right. What we weren't right about <laughs> is that Utah's defense is bad bleeping ass. Dude, I mean, like, they, are, they are tough. And they're not even fully low. That was what got me. I was like, okay, if, if Utah gets – Cam rising back, bet they can they can score a little bit, but the not having the key people on your defense and everything I thought would catch up with them against Chip Kelly in this offense. Unfortunately, that was not the case. And you know Dante Moore, hats off to him. He played great, but he looked like a freshman against a really really good defense. Yeah, uh, I I loved uh, Oregon State and Washington State. We actually turned it off for a little bit. 
Yeah. We didn't turn it off. It, it like, kept going out. It kept going out. Like, your account is full, whatever. So then we're like, yeah. So I checked the score. I was like, hey, that's a touchdown game right now. <laughs> so we turned it back on, and it was, a, it was a, a nice finish. But Washington State held off Oregon State in a furious comeback. Uh, in the fourth quarter, um, Washington State, I think, is legit. They're so good. It's a legit Pac-12 title contender right now. Cam Ward is so awesome to watch. Um, yeah, that, that was really great. Now, in the SEC, the you white-knuckled through LSU and Arkansas, which is kind of a yearly thing. Yes. Like, that, that game last year shouldn't have been as close as it was. It never it was close. It's just that's a rival. That's the – I'm going to chalk that up right now, Garrett, to two things. LSU doesn't know what they can do yet. No. Um, but that was Arkansas Super Bowl. Yeah, it was, it was definitely Arkansas Super Bowl. Uh, LSU won. I think that that's, that's what they do. Survive in advance kind of yeah. a thing. Just keep moving on. They're still a really good team. They just haven't clicked no, back-to-back weeks yet. No, and I think that – there, this, I've been concerned about the struggles between Jaden Daniels and finding his receivers. Uh, Malik Neighbors finally showed up mm-hmm. against Arkansas, but that's been real inconsistent. Um, yeah, it, that, that's one thing I don't. I'm not real certain on. And Jaden Daniels' decisions to take unnecessary hits on yeah. runs is something that drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. All right. And the big story to me in the SEC was that. You know, look, I don't. This hasn't changed my mind much about Alabama, but they got really smart and played really well in the second half. Their defense played really well against an Ole Miss offense that I thought would be a lot more prolific yes. than it was. Um, and Jalen Milrow kind of took a little bit of control um, there. I, you know, if you're Ole Miss and you're only going to give the ball to Quinshawn Judkins 13 times against Alabama, I think you're going to lose in that game unless yeah. he's got 13 carries for 117 yards or. 70 yards, and he's broken off a couple of big ones. I, I mean, he was averaging four yards a carry. Clearly, you know, situationally, they weren't in the spots where they thought they could, especially as that game got kind of out of hand for them yeah. in the fourth quarter. But um, but impressive. And Nick, look, Nick Saban figured it out. I, I still think that that team is going to be out of the college football playoff discussion yes. eventually because they've got more problems than – than solutions for the first time in a long time. But still impressed. Jalen Milrow, 17-21, 225, a touchdown and interception, uh, and and ran 16 times for 28 yards. Um, and a lot of that had to do with some sacks that they uh, they gave up. Um, you take him, so really 45 yards that he had after losing some yards and yeah. some sacks. But, um, I mean, good. And Jason McClellan was, was, was good for them, 17 for 105. So I think Alabama is still going to be a factor – in the SEC West race, but I don't think, and the SEC West might find themselves out of the conversation completely because I think they should at this point. Yes. Well, I mean, because look, everybody everybody's taking a loss, right? Each other. Yeah. Everybody's taking a loss, right? You know, non-conference or otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. Bama's lost to Texas, A&M lost to Miami, LSU lost to Florida State, uh, Mississippi State's lost twice, Ole Miss just lost to Bama. So, you know, yeah. like there's there they have no more room for error. So whoever. If they want to get in the playoff in the SEC West right now, they're going to have to run the table on the way out. Alabama probably has the best shot at doing that, but I still don't think that – well, no, LSU probably well, has the best shot at doing that. Until this weekend because yeah. LSU is going to play Ole Miss. And it, yeah. I do not trust that, – that's a game where I think Ole Miss has an opportunity – well, if L, Ole Miss has an opportunity to beat LSU, I'm not t- completely sold on them. And if they do, then, yeah, I think it's Bama's for the taking unless you get that weird scenario where 
LSU beats Bama and it's a three-way tie. But I think after this weekend, we'll have a clear idea of how the West will shake up in the SEC. I'm still not sold completely on Georgia as a whole. Uh, I think that I was hoping Auburn would be able to push them better this weekend. But after that abysmal performance against Texas A&M, there's no way in hell that's happening. So yeah. I think it's kind of Georgia's to run with, and the West is going to find themselves on the outside looking in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my thoughts on everything else. Jacob should be here in a minute, uh, including Florida State and Clemson, and why this is even worse news for Clemson than they, they probably than Dabble probably realizes in the mm -hmm. in the exact moment. Uh, also, haven't talked about Oklahoma really gritting out a defensive win yep. against Cincinnati, which could change a lot of things. And when it comes to the Big Twelve, the the Red River rivalry coming up soon. And Washington, Washington might be the best team of the Pac-12, oh, but we're good. not talking about them quite as enough as we need to. That's all coming up next. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. You need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside today's co-host, Jacob Wilson, who, listen, everybody gets a tardy slip. It's fine. You know, you just have to be in detention after school and right on the chalkboard. Hey, that that's that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll give you the, the Bart Simpson duty. I mean, I'll write the most colorful uh, language as, as I possibly can on the vibe here after the show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I I don't know how clean you want this to be. No, but, uh. <laughs> no, it's fine, Jacob. We recapped a ton of of it was Prove It Weekend last week. Yes, you and it I was. talked about it uh, on the show last week. It was it was absolutely Prove It Weekend, and a lot of teams proved it. Some teams. Didn't like, I don't think Notre Dame proved or disproved anything, you know, but, you know, they're, they're kind of they're like now they're still kind of caught in the, well, now we have to prove something mm -hmm. uh, where Ohio State did. Um, I haven't talked about it yet. I want as many people here for this in case I do get a little veering off the journalistic uh, path here. But Florida State, by far, and not even close, the most important game in, da in, uh, in Mike Norvell's tenure. Very important game, because if you're going to be the king, you have to kill the king. And seven years, Clemson has beaten Florida State in a row until a 31-24 overtime win in yeah. the other Death Valley on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, whatever you want to say, depending on what, when you were watching that and what part where, of the country. Where you are in the world. But uh, I, uh, I had many thoughts on that game. I will tell you, as a fan watching it, 
I did not enjoy one second of it. How could you? If, 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 if you're a Florida State fan watching that game, you are just an anxiety-riddled stress bubble the entire time. And then, you you know, at the end of that game, obviously you get to pop it and, and well, enjoy a little let, bit. Let me tell you how my day went. Got up in the morning, showered, went to the grocery store. That's the only thing I did before I went so... Then I had to watch the game, and then I had to shower again before I came here. Did Xanax sponsor that game, by the way, Paul? They should have. <laughs> they should have. Oh, my God. And it was – the thing was is you just kept watching Florida State, this team that you know can be explosive and do explosive things, but Clemson had this great game plan on them, especially offensively. Garrett Riley was just coaching his butt off. And here's what Clemson has now figured out they can do. They cannot beat you over the top. But if you're going to be aggressive on defense and bet on your athletes versus their athletes, they're just going to run slants on you that are pretty indefensible. Like, if you run a good, quick slant route, I mean, it's going to get yards. And so if you also have maybe don't have your best, you know, guy in the secondary, Akeem Dent back there, like, ready to saw people in half, then they're less lethal yeah. over and over again. So Clemson just kind of ran slants and short stuff and – you know, made it work. The dirt raid is he, uh, they're calling it. It doesn't hurt when you finally get Will Shipley into the end zone, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I got Will Shipley in the end zone. Um, and I've seen much more spectacular Will Shipley touchdowns, but this one felt like a relief to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they got Will Shipley in the end zone. But in the end, two things undid Clemson. When Florida State's struggling, what they have that Clemson doesn't is – they can just rely on big play guys to do big play things. And in overtime, that's what happened. And the other thing was Clemson did not call a very good game. And Dabo Sweeney had a little bit too much confidence in a kicker who was taking online classes five days before the game yeah. <laughs> when he called him. And that's a great yeah. story. And I hope that his that kid's season is much better after that. But they were not playing for a touchdown late in that game, and I think part of it was that Dabo Sweeney thought that Mike Norvell, and he almost did, uh, was going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. And then again, they went to overtime, and like to me, uh, just not something you saw from classic Clemson teams, and Florida State has taken yet another step. Now, look, they've got, they've got to make sure they don't have a letdown in a couple weeks. Yeah, um, there's definitely opportunities for well, it. Well, look, which... there, there are their, – their schedule – they have Virginia Tech after a bye week, which much needed bye week because Jordan Travis is banged up, um, and he needs to get get all healthy. Then they have Syracuse, who's undefeated right now and is playing Clemson this week, um, and we'll see how that goes for for both of them. Then they have Duke, who they've never lost to, but Duke is very scary all of a sudden. A Duke, a team that just beat Clemson a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So again, they've got it, and that's before they even have the last month of playing Miami and Florida, their two biggest rivals in the whole thing. So they have to keep going unscathed because again, in the ACC, they're not going to be able to Clemson's out of the CFP discussion. Okay. Florida state's in it. North Carolina can find their way into it. If they keep playing well, uh, Miami, Miami could, but eventually there's only gonna be one of those teams left standing. And anytime those teams lose, especially if it's not somebody that's any good, then they're going to be like, well, good. We can take the ACC out of this mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the way, how good is Keon Coleman? That catch that he made to win that game. It didn't, well, here's the thing. It didn't even look like he was trying that hard to do that. Like, I know, like, I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't, but it was just so, 
well, I'm going to catch this one like this. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, between him and Johnny Wilson, which, I mean, how much of a physical freak is that guy? That, like, somebody within the realm of that talent, if Clemson had one of those guys, I think Florida State would have been in a lot of trouble. I don't know if it's even worth mentioning, but I think one thing I can say about Clemson is that, yes, they did not win this game, but they are still very, very good. They're very good. Yeah. And I think that they are far from being done. Cade Klubnick, he finally looked like what you were hoping for when they recruited him out of Westlake here in Texas. And I think that there's actual sun on the horizon for Clemson. Probably not going to happen this season. But look out going forward because yeah. Clemson, they, they impressed me with that game against Florida State. Look, I, I came away, and then you knew that Dabo Sweeney was going to get them better. Mm -hmm. I think, look, Dabo is really a victim of his own limitations right now, of things he's putting on himself unnecessarily. I mean, I think we, we could be looking at a, uh, you know, a Barry Bonds watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, you know, long gone summer of 98, and then Dabo, he might di dip into that, you know, steroid transfer portal and be like, all right, I'm going to do it now. I, well, the thing is, I don't, I don't know why you, well, like, what's he afraid of? Like, what's he afraid of? Everybody's doing it. Like, it's not like, yeah. and the thing is, it's not heroin. Like, it's yeah. not like, <laughs> it's not like somebody's going to find him on the street, just like laying on the ground. Like, what happened? He's like, uh -huh, don't get in the transfer portal, man. They'll tell you it's fun. They'll tell you it's good. They'll take you to feel like sunshine. It doesn't. Doesn't feel like sunshine. <laughs> well, well, it does, but the come down is just brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's what they said. So he's, he, he needs to, well, and look, part of it is I, I do think he needs to, take more of a modern look at it. He's, he's trying to – I think he's looking for lunch pail guys, and that's great. But, I mean, you're, gonna, you're every, like, shortening your pool. Every, every now and again, you got to take a look and see what's out there, though. Yeah, absolutely. You're telling me he couldn't have gotten a Keon Coleman? Florida State, based on the receivers they have, don't necess didn't necessarily need him, mm -hmm. right? They were just like, well, this guy's here. Can you imagine how good he would be in this offense? What the hell? Yeah. Let's go. Let's, go. let's, let's call him. And, and then he was like, yeah, sure. I'll come there. You know, I mean, I, mean, I don't think it was that easy. They had to ward off a couple of their schools, including Ole Miss, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, Clemson could have got him. Are, are you, are you happy? Are you happy? I'm relieved. Uh, look, I You're will never be happy as a sports fan. I'm not. No, I don't think people who are happy as a sports fan are stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Garrett's not in his head. He knows I'm right. <laughs> Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, they're, they're, I, I love Garrett, but he's been a curmudgeon since the day I met him, and it's because he's an LSU fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's but it's, it's you're gullible. You're, you're yes. like, yeah, you don't, like, don't drink the, like, the only time you should drink the Kool-Aid is when it's <laughs> spiked with champagne and they're holding up a trophy. That's when. Like, I, I'm very spoiled as a sports fan. Jacob, you and I have been through this a lot. I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan. You know, we're both Cowboys fans, although it doesn't feel like we're spoiled anymore. Um, but... Uh, and then I'm an FSU fan. I'm a Spurs fan. Like, things have gone well for me, for the most part, yep. in my life. Plenty but, of skins on the wall in your fandom. But the thing is, now I know, like, I've tasted, the, like, the prime Wagyu, like, steak, the tomahawk ribeye mm -hmm. of it all when it comes to national championships. So while I might enjoy mildly a 10-3 and three season after a couple of, you know, chopped liver seasons – I really am only going to be happy when it's over. And so it's hard. Like, you're in a constant state of stress. And you're, you, you have to enjoy the ride. I'm enjoying the ride, but that game was not enjoyable at all as a, as a sports fan. It wasn't. It was, 
I mean, the very end was, and like if I was watching, if I was just watching, like I enjoyed the Notre Dame game thoroughly, but Notre Dame and Ohio State, I knew exactly what all their fans were feeling because night six hours before, I was feeling the same thing in a flop sweat. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was wild. Uh, elsewhere, prove it weekend. Uh, saw things like Washington to me, uh, even though they didn't have like a big matchup, they were playing Cal. Mm-hmm. Washington is really amazingly good. Yes, and they are. I don't know because like of the like the hype around the Pac-12 and how good the rest of the Pac-12 is. I don't know if they might not be the best team in it. I mean, right tucked now. up there, all the way in the most northwest part of the country. They've got Oregon, who's the flashy team, looking very good right south of them. USC, obviously, they've got Caleb Williams in that conference. They're all going to the Big Ten next year. They're all in the same camp. They're all very good. But you're right. Michael Penix is a guy that people really need to be talking about. He looks like a phenomenal quarterback. And, like, frankly, underappreciated in the Heisman debate right now. Because after that Oregon-Colorado game, I think we need to reevaluate that entire conversation. Yeah. Look, um, you know, we talked we talked about Oregon, Colorado, and you and I are going to talk about it in the, in the last segment uh, here. But I mean, there is they are really, really good. They've got great skill players. They're playing better on defense. The Pac-12 is not outside of Utah, one of those like you know bare knuckle brawl defensive leagues. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they have teams that can like Washington that can score enough to where even on a bad day and their defense can make key stops. You know, 59 to 32 win over um, Cal. And, you know, really that, and the, with a game that was over at half. I mean, completely over. Cal was done at half, uh, down 45 to 12. So, I mean, talent alone, I knew that this game was over when it started raining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, old friend Will Nixon, five carries, 39 yards uh, in that game for the Huskies, uh, midway, midway grad. Were you, you weren't with us when, when, when you, were, you were kind of gone I've, for a little while. I've uh, returned to Midway Panther football, yeah, but, uh, but as of this year. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was something, a sight to behold, to, to watch them just dismantle a team in a half like that in a conference game. Really, really unbelievable. Um, and um, who else is rolling along? Oh, o- Oklahoma. Let's talk about Oklahoma for a second, Jacob. Okay. Oklahoma has won games 28 to 11 and 20 to 6. That means the Venables defense is shutting people down. Now, I don't care if it's SMU and Cincinnati. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in the weeds of who they're playing. SMU has a really good offense. But last year's Oklahoma team couldn't win a game they were, only scoring 28 or 20 points. They were a football turnstile. Against anybody. Year. Against anybody. They score 20 points. They're losing that game against anybody on their schedule a year ago. So the team has changed a little bit. It's not as exciting, but <laughs> but it's exactly why you brought Venables in, right? No, and it's made me consider the Red River game a lot differently that's coming up in that this one will – it's always weird and wild and strange stuff happens in the game, but this is the best both teams have maybe been at the same time in the last decade. It definitely is. Yeah. And the Red River rivalry, it's a lot like the Iron Bowl or the Egg Bowl or any of these big-time rivalry games that you hear about because ultimately rank doesn't really matter because these two teams, they just come at each other with everything that they've got every single time that they face off. And 
Look, Oklahoma finally playing some defense. That definitely makes this game a lot harder to predict. Yeah. Now, look, I say that knowing that Oklahoma has Iowa State this week who had a, a much-needed win and, and a nice offensive output against Oklahoma State, um, especially by Iowa State standards. Yeah. In fact, they, they scored the only points in all of Iowa last week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that's saying one thing. Iowa, not uh, really a state known and, for points. No. And Texas has Kansas this week, a game that has been a bugaboo for them when Kansas wasn't good. And now here Kansas comes in, and they're pretty darn good and might have a little more confidence against Texas than maybe other teams in the conference do because of what's happened the last few years. They have Jalen Daniels. Later on the week, we're probably going to put this on the pick 'em. I'm picking Texas, but I mean, this is this is the one in the schedule that they have left outside of Oklahoma, where you go, oh, that, I don't, I don't know if I'm a Texas fan. That one's in. It's in Austin. Austin, right? I mean, Kansas won there two years ago. Let's not forget that. that, so. that that's that's true. But now, like now that Kansas is actually a competitor, and their beating of Texas won't wouldn't be a huge shock. It it, it, may, it makes home in a way a, a, a more of a factor. Yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, probably. And look, here's the thing. When they were beating Texas at home a couple years ago, it wasn't going to be like what they're walking into no. this week. But, you know, Kansas had the, the – look, they continue to win, and they continue to impress. And uh, there's a team I don't, I don't think is going to be there at the end of the year for the Big 12 title game, but I don't need much convincing for you to tell me that they, they could wind up doing it. I, I, I really don't. Like, I, I know that their schedule is only going to get tougher – uh, as it goes out, I mean, they, they still have to play Texas. Um, they've got they've to host UCF, which John Rice Plumley will probably be back for that one for sure if he's not back this week against Baylor. Um, they've got Oklahoma, uh, and they have Kansas State. And so those are games that are going to be tough for them to win. But all the rest of them, I mean, they, you know, uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Tech, and Cincinnati should be very winnable games because right now – we haven't seen much from from all those teams. Um, Mike Gundy, in particular, is lost in the in the woods, uh, and Joy McGuire has had a you know a sputtering start to the season in, in Lubbock. Yeah, the uh, the lightning that was in that bottle last year has um, been let out or just diffused on its own there for for Joey McGuire, which is a little disappointing because what he had going on there with Texas Tech was very very exciting. Uh, I. I Anticipate he'll get it back on track. It might not even be this year, but I, I do think Joey will will get it together. But mark my words, if Kansas can pull off a win against Texas, I don't see why they can't run the table. Well, I mean, look, if they do that, then like who who are you afraid of, right? Exactly. I, I mean, think like, I think that that's a wave that they can catch and then just ride it all the way. Yeah. I mean, they they still certainly have trouble stopping people. That's true. But uh, they're they're not unlike Colorado in that regard. In that, like, you're they're going to score points most days when you're not playing Oregon. But, um, but yeah, you're you know you're going to make sure you got to keep Jalen Daniels healthy and make sure you can get stops when you need to because they're not going to have a game where they can look in the fourth quarter and be like, oh, we're up by three scores. I just don't think that that's going to happen mm. uh, for them all that often because of that defense. Um, you know, Kansas State big win over over UCF and. After a disappointing loss, they looked really good. Uh, Will Howard gutted through that game. West Virginia looked really um, tough on defense. I mean, that game was was unspectacular in a lot of different ways. But Neil Brown is we we talk about prove it week. Neil Brown is in prove it year. He's, he's in prove it year. He's in and so part, far. He's in part two of prove it year. Yeah, Paul. he is. He's so far outside of losing to Penn State, who's probably a playoff contender. 
he's proven it at yeah. this point. You know, they're they're sitting at three and one uh, and undefeated and one and zero in the Big Twelve to start out, which I did not see coming with their schedule. I thought, you know, I thought Pitt would be better. We all thought Tech would be better. And they have flipped the script on everybody. Yeah, I, I thought that that Neil Brown was going to be kind of a sacrificial lamb com, mm-hmm. com, coming into this year. Like, why else would you keep a guy like that around after all the speculation and all the disappointment? But hey, hey, he's proven them wrong. He's proven me wrong. Yeah, I, I, I was talking a lot of trash about him last year. Yeah. No, look, they've got to go to TCU this week. A team that uh, everybody threw dirt on mm-hmm. after they lost to Dion. But yeah, speaking I mean, of which, Gary, did you put the TCU pennant behind me to troll me? I There's did not, but, but, but well. now you know. I kind of wish I would take credit for that. Honestly, I mean, I—that's my punishment for being late. I guess. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, just be glad you're not in the pick'em. Garrett went zero and five this week. Balling, get to eat something horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, Garrett, what's your least favorite food? Dude, I got so many. I'm, I'm, it's probably gonna be fruit. I'm just—I'm dreading this. I hate fruit. 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 I hate fruit, vegetables. I hate so many foods. It's unreal. Okay. I was going to tell by my figure. What? You know, couldn't tell by my figure. Yeah. yeah. Fruit. I, well, yeah. You know what? I'm going to pick, like, what fruit could you pick that's a weird one? Any, like, dude, I'm telling you, strawberries. I'm not touching no fruit. Oh, I, I hate fruit. fruit. Oh, yeah. That, that's one that, that looks like it would be delicious, but it's just is weird. I, it's I, weird tasting. and I, I like it in things. Like, if you put it in a drink. Like, yeah. You know. A lot, but, a lot of stuff can taste good. Yeah. After a while, if you put it in a drink. No, I mean, like, even at Starbucks, they have a dragon fruit, like, tea thing. It's nice, it, but... It tastes like someone chewed up a strawberry, removed the strawberry flavor, and then spat it back out. Because <laughs> it's got that weird texture. Yeah. How about a mango? I mean, I'm hard-pressed on mango. I love mango. Yeah, I love mango. But, like, that's... But it's... If you've never had it... Have you ever had mango, Garrett? I have not. Okay. I have not. I don't want to see... I don't want to take the chance of, like, oh, I hate fruit. And this could be a whole thing. Like, man, I really hate strawberries. And I'm like, ha, ha, dumbass. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Like, texture. Really like My main thing is textures. I wish I could eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I, you know what I hate is cheeseburgers and french fries. Can't stand them. Bring me 12. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, but I hate chicken fried steak. And I knew if I threw that out there, it would be a whole thing. But, oh. yeah, no. Is, it, is there an establishment that you want to go ahead and burn the bridge of a sponsorship with? Uh, no, mm, none that I could think of. Uh, well, good I, answer, yeah, right? I, yeah. <laughs> no, I... I, I, chicken fried steak might be funny because he's got to cut it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, you got to cut it. We'll put it right here on the table and just have him cut it. I'm going to get the lowest end chicken fried steak, too. I'm not going to get one. <laughs> I think you should find something that is made by Swanson. Something from a cafeteria, like a school cafeteria or something. <laughs> oh, you straight, bro? <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. So, uh, anyway, although, and look, I'm going to do this because I'm a benevolent dictator. And I've not gone 0 5 yet. So, uh, I am going to put it uh, an opportunity where we can negotiate out a, a swap of punishments if they've not been carried out yet. So, there might be a, there might be a punishment swap, but there's got to be some negotiation here. You got to give me something to swap the punishments. All right. So, we'll see. I'll put on my thinking cap and text you my ideas. Yeah, we'll have to do that. You'll, we'll have to get all the crew in, even the people who aren't in Pick'em, to enjoy some of these punishments and, you know, as, as a family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, why your opinion of Dion should not change after this week's game. 
This is 365 Sports, the triple option. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back to the Triple Option. Paul Catalina and Jacob Wilson here with you. And Jacob, Oregon ran through Deion Sanders. They kind of used a bit of their own medicine against him and, you know, took the hype train and any kind of, you know, trash talk in that. Colorado's players became the mm -hmm. epitome of hypocrisy and when Went out and hopped on the logo after they were all mad at Matt Rule for, for having the team prayer out on the logo. All those, all those things happened, uh, and Oregon used it as fire mm -hmm. and turned Dion's game against him. But there was this whole like national wave of like, see, I told you Colorado sucked, or you know, what if Travis Hunter was there, or all these excuses, excuses, excuses. Look, what happened? was going to happen to Colorado eventually. Dion and his staff knew eventually they were going to, and they were co like they were coaching through a lot of issues that they could coach around, right? So if you are playing teams like TCU, not very good, not was not very good on defense, had no film to watch, and they caught them a little bit flat-footed and made big plays when they had to with some of their their outstanding stellar athletes like Travis Hunter. They made play. It Shadur showed how how really fantastic he was, uh, and then Nebraska just not very good right now. And when they kind of got a handle on that one, they put some distance. Although it was close early, mm -hmm. but they put some distance there. Colorado State went into overtime. It you know in in yeah. into the next day um, early after like there were like people getting up for their sh their early shifts when the game was ending. Like that's how late that game went. And then you get against Oregon, who's been doing this for a little bit and was ready for you. So that was going to happen. That you can't coach around not having a good offensive and defensive line forever. You can sometimes, but when you play a team that has the kind of lines that Oregon has, it's going to show up and Shadur Sanders under duress, and then they couldn't stop anything coming at Oregon running the ball the entire game long. I mean, Dan Lanning, he delivered a speech to his team that made just about everyone in the country want to run through a brick wall. Because, I mean, unless you're a Colorado fan, of course, but he, he kind of called them out, got into his players' heads in a good way, and I think ultimately 
like you said, we didn't expect this this Dion train to come to the screeching halt that it did. But I think ultimately, when you get the players on Oregon's roster, top to bottom, just more talented, I, I think ultimately Kenny Powers is right. You know, talent is God given, and talent wins out. You know, yeah. and and that that's just kind of what happened. Yeah, look, they and. Colorado's still going to have a really good season, especially based on the fact that they were 1-11 Yeah, last they've tripled year. their wins from last yeah, year. Yeah, they're still going to win most of the games that they play for the rest of the year. But they're playing – like, they've got – they still have to play Washington State in addition to USC. Like, yeah. they're going to have tougher games. They knew that. And, look, part of the thing that Dion is doing with all this bravado is he, he knew it during his career. If he can distract you with being mad at him for some stupid crap that he said, then he's got you not thinking about – the fact that maybe they're maybe that he's really good. Like yeah. so you're not focused on It's like when Kevin McHale totally decks Kurt Rambis in the uh, NBA finals and then all of a sudden the Celtics get all that momentum because they're in their head. Yeah. So that's part of what he's doing. And he knew he had to do that because he knows like this is flying by the sea of their pants a little bit in year one. Yeah. Now, this is also like how you get the long term like, you know, nobody you know, this isn't like GameStop where, you know, there was an internet fad and all of a sudden you wake up in the stock market. And you yeah, it's not quite turn, like dumb money. <laughs> turn, turn the whole thing in his ear, right? This is, he is investing a lot of this capital in the future in saying like, look how awesome this, this is right now. Just imagine how awesome it would be if we had players that were developed through the system and came here, you know? And he's still prime and he, you know, assuming he's going to be there for a good number of years. I, I actually do. I, I think that I think part of it, he's got he's he has a lot to prove to the world that's doubted him for whatever reasons. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think I think his style really, really resonates with the youth of today. And yeah. therefore, I mean, he's going to continue to just be able to recruit with anyone. Yeah. And look, he's he's scary because he's not the establishment. Right. He's scary because he's not the norm. And so everybody's like, ah, well, I told you it wouldn't work. Well, I mean, he's four games in, man. Like, <laughs> he's four games in. He's three and one. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned four games in because you were starting to. It sounded like you were describing uh, our our forty fifth president, I believe. Is yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna worry. It's like, oh, yeah, it was four games in. He's not the establishment. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no. But I mean, he scares. He scares that. Um, he scares people. He scares people because it's different. You know, and look, he's shaking things up, but he's got to have substance behind that. And substance comes with wins. So, look, everything could flip. If USC goes out there and doesn't match what Oregon did and somehow loses the game to Colorado, then start the hype train again. He just beat Caleb Williams, you know? it Like, I mean, all these things, but... That would be incredible, and I, I think that... Nobody's going to beat Colorado the way Oregon did again this year. And USC doesn't have the defense to dominate them the way that Oregon did. And um, I think you're going to see a little spark of improvement. I don't see them beating Caleb Williams in USC, but I think you're going to see people who were overreactors who completely jumped off the train. They're going to see an improvement against USC and be like, okay, there's something to this. I think that this might actually work still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Like, I don't think, but I don't think, like, I don't, I don't understand why he's, like, I understand why he's polarizing, but I don't know why you dig your heels in either way right now and just let the guy 
find his way. Like, I know he's calling I mean, a bunch of attention. And look, Fox he, is following him everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was very funny to me that, like, he is playing the game. And granted, he's, he's very famous. But his team is playing the game at USC's place in, like, on the big noon kickoff. And the graphic I saw during the Cowboys game yesterday was an animated Dion riding a charging Buffalo. And then just a yeah. still picture of the Heisman Trophy winner. You know, like, that's how much it's a little bit out of whack. But that's also not Dion's fault. That's the, that's how the, you know, the media world reacts to silly things, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think Dion loves the attention? Oh, loves it. Wants it, like, it's what he's doing. He's trying to, again, he loves it. He loves the attention. Now, I, think, I do think if you asked him, like, would you like, like, a little bit less <laughs> I mean, like, just just so you can manage expectations a little bit better than he might say yes. Do you but. think it, it's uh, wrong of me to say that, like, may, Dion, be the, be the flashy prime time man that you are, always have been, but uh, make sure your players keep things in perspective because I think the fact that they went out on Oregon's field and danced on their logo, I think that they, if the team is buying into all the hoopla that the public is buying into, I think you might have a little bit of a problem. Well, I would – look, if I were Dion, and I don't know how he's going to handle that, but I would have been a, a, probably a little upset about that. But like, you guys have to earn that. I don't think – look, here's the thing. I don't care about teams dancing on other teams' logos. It happens all the time. But if you do it, you better damn know. <laughs> like, you better know. And that's the thing. Like, I agree with you on that. Like, look – you cannot, and I would tell my son this, Shadur, buddy, this is why you're fifth in the power rankings this week. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot make a very public statement about disrespecting one team about being on the logo and then let your team be a part of doing the exact same thing that you accuse somebody of in a game that you then go out and get your ass handed to you. You can't do that. Dion was the master of trash talk because nobody ever really beat him. I mean, like, yeah. you know, like who, like who are the guys that beat Dion? Jerry Rice and Michael, like other Hall of Famers can say like, oh, I got Dion a couple times. But again, you're all, even Jerry Rice is, is like counting on, you know, all the times that they went up against each other where he felt really good about, oh, I got you, Dion. Mm -hmm. So Dion knows that. He needs to convey that. Like trash talk is... Wonderful and great, but do not put yourself in a position where you show your ass. Like that's, and that's kind of what they did a little bit in that, yeah, you were just complaining about it. No, learn from it, grow. Don't do that again. Like mm -hmm. wait until like, that's the other thing that's great about trash talk is like when you're waiting for that time, you know, just like a Cobra, mm -hmm. you know, and then you just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then they do it, then you can strike as opposed to, you know, scorched, like try to do scorched earth. And they didn't really, like, they, they came, they came to, they came to a knife fight with pillows. Like, yeah. they, <laughs> I mean, do you, you, you want to know what a sport without trash talk is called? Hockey. Garrett, do you agree with me? Garrett, Garrett's about to, <laughs> what, what is this? I said, do uh, you know what a sport without trash talk is called? It's just called hockey. I mean, that's fair, but hockey's, I mean, hockey's elite, dude. Well, I'm just saying, because none of them speak English, and they all beat each other's brains out. <laughs> oh, they don't, they don't need to talk. They just, they just, they just fight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, don't, 
Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, uh, Jacob. All right, we are uh, wrapping up now. Jacob, thanks for of course for, for popping in. I know it was a rush for you. I always appreciate seeing your lovely face. Mm-hmm. So does everybody here, especially Jack. He didn't react. He didn't care. No, he didn't care. Uh, <laughs> I, just a reminder, Jack and I will be in Orlando this week. Uh, we'll be at Burger U on Thursday at 2 o'clock. We'll be at Bounce House Social on Friday starting at, at 3 for Baylor versus UCF. Uh, and I did not uh, want to rip off that Band-Aid with you so soon uh, after what happened with Baylor this weekend, Jacob. But... Oh, I'm, I'm dead inside. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I expect you to bring Jack back to Texas with a puka shell necklace. Or some other kind of Flor- like Florida, Florida, very specific attire. Well, I, I I wish I could have brought Emery on this trip, but it might be a good thing in the long run that I, that I I couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. Because I think I might have to call his parents and be like, "Look, I I lost your son. I mean, I know where he is, but he's working at a beach bar in Cocoa Beach now, and he's dating, you know." some girl named Aster, and she's got a weird tattoo on her back. He's I don't now, know. Flor- he's now attending the church of Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Flo- Florida, Florida's got him now. He's <laughs> just, he's talking about getting a boat. and Sounds ro- awesome, honestly. Getting a boat and running <laughs> charters for tourists, but he doesn't know the first thing about boats, so. <laughs> it's it's going to be bad. I'm sorry. Um, you know. Developing, so, developing mind. Yeah, he's already... He's already wearing unbuttoned shirts. I can't. I can't stop it now. No, I didn't. I, I didn't want that to happen to our, our beautiful, lovely, smart Emery. Uh, but that's going to be uh, on Thursday and Friday of this week. And of course, I'll be doing my part of the pregame show and the postgame show from uh, the bounce house itself, which I'm very excited to go to uh, because when I lived in Florida, UCF played in the Citrus Bowl, and when you went to games in the Citrus Bowl that weren't the actual Citrus Bowl, it was uh, a little sad. Yeah, it was just like one of those things. Like, I went to a Cowboys Oilers preseason game there one time, and when I was a kid, and it was uh, even that was a little sad. Like, you know, I mean, I lived in Hawaii for four years, and any time I went to a Rainbow Warriors game at the Aloha Bowl or um, Aloha Stadium, it was kind of like, yeah, this is awesome, but it's not the Pro Bowl that that I that I really enjoyed watching as a kid. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it, so I'm excited because it's one of the best, um, it's one of the best venues, uh, newer venues in the country. That's I think great. They, they, they have a good time there. So we'll be there on Friday. If you're in the greater Orlando area, please come out and see us and, uh, and enjoy those two places on Thursday and Friday. That's going to do it for us. We'll see Jacob again soon. This is the Triple Option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.